Um, yeah, morning guys. It is great to be with you all today. And really, it's, it's always a privilege to be able to share um, with you guys. And man, what a, what a year it's been. I can't believe it. It's already October. Um, the reason I know why it's the 1st of October, because all my debit orders went off this morning. So welcome, October. But what a year it has been. I mean, uh, I've seen a lot of good things during this year that's been happening. Uh, a lot of weddings happening. Uh, I've seen marriage being, marriages being restored, businesses opening up, SMEs uh, doing good business. I'm seeing new friends, engagements, people going on holiday. And if you're in France today watching the World Cup, I love you. And, you know, all those, there's no envy here, right? But um, I've seen a lot of good things happening in, in, in 2023. And also, I've noticed this morning that there's actually 87 days until Christmas. So can you believe it? We're less than three months away. So Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. But I've also seen a lot of hardships. I have seen people pass away. I have seen people getting divorced. I have seen fires destroying homes just the other week in Lila Lodge where my wife got married. It burned down. We saw family members not speaking to each other. We saw job losses because of load shedding and businesses not making it. And I want to share a little bit of a plot twist today. And I want to share a little bit of my testimony, what has happened to me, if you would grant me the privilege to do so. Now, I don't know if you know, but in the beginning of the year, you know, we're all so happy in the beginning of the year. It's Happy New Year. This year is my year. And we hear the sermons online and everywhere. 2023 is your year. Breakthrough is coming. Click here and share this prayer and your breakthrough will come. And we see all of this and we walk into 2023 happy. Because we think the 31st of December, something magical happens. And in the 1st of January, we are great. We are happy. It's a great year. The sun is shining. And, 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 and if you, I understand now. I turned 42 last week. I understand. You don't want a new year because that means a new birthday. It means new, older problems. But in 23 January, I want to get this date right. On the 20, 27th of January, I broke down. 100% completed. Actually, before that, and 20, before I even posted, I broke down completely. I've lost it. I was in a depressive state. I Anxiety. Life was not good. So much so, I want to share with you what I wrote on Facebook on the 27th of January. And, and, and you will see that there, it is on the screens. And I want to read what I've shared. Today, I want to share and give hope about a dark moment in my life. First of all, glory to God, for he restores my soul. I'm not looking for sympathy, but I know my testimony is what needed to be shared. And it's the easiest way for me to do it, of course, is via social media. And this is my testimony of God's goodness. And as I'm typing this, the Holy Spirit leads. There was a photo, and I'm not going to share you the photo, but this was a photo taken in June 2022. And I want to say from the start, Michelle Marie, whoa, that's what Facebook said, my wife has been such a pillar of strength when I was not. I was in a place where I struggled with my faith and I was questioning everything in my life. My calling, my ministry, my purpose, my plan. And I felt like I failed on all fronts. The problem was that being a pastor, you must show people an exemplary life. I learned that I need to point people to Jesus, but in church life, people are all, not always, but people are waiting for you to fail. Not all, but some. I have amazing family at New Life Church. You guys, amazing brothers and sisters in Christ. Pro tip, use them. There's a reason why they're there. 
you know, I was still counseling people and I was still helping people. And I thanks to the Holy Spirit that he never left me, but inside it was empty and broken. And I came to a space where I was, yeah, funny and witty, but it's because I was empty and I questioned everything every day. It came all at the end of last year when I went through a spate of depression, so much so that I became the problem of every solution. I was sitting on my bed with Michelle and in the office with Ryan here at church, and I was ugly crying to the point I wanted to give up. I'm going to pause it there. That is what happened to me in the new year. Not the greatest of starts at all. And I think what we need to understand is, and here what I want to talk about is failure today. That's my topic. I want to talk about failure. And I think for me, when I look at the world, when we look at failure, the world defines it in a different scenario. When you fail in the world, the world wants to keep you in that state. We have these words, failure is not an option. We make these jokes that she is good for a first wife. You can get a second wife and a third wife and a fourth wife and so forth. We hear all these things where the world says, as long as you're happy, do something toxic into your life. We, we see the world where big pharmaceutical companies wants to keep you anxious and depressed because they're making money out of that. And we live in a world where they say, and I'm saying this with love because I was there, rather stay depressed and be a victim because you get more attention when you're the victim than when you get healed. That's the world we live in currently. And that's what the world says. Our friends disappear when we fail morally, when we fail in the relationship. And we, we watch these movies. I don't know if you've ever watched the movie Rocky. Is there anybody who watched Sylvester Stallone, Rocky? Some, oh, there's some much more young people here. So back in the day, <laughs> there was a, you can get it on Netflix, okay? There's a movie called Rocky, and Sylvester Stallone was this boxer. And what would happen to all these movies in the 90s is that he would, he would box, and then he would fail, and he would bleed, and he was crying to this woman, and blood out and then the plot twist came and then he won the fight against Dolph Lundgren at the end and everybody was happy and I want to tell you that is fake the world doesn't sell you like that we don't become like Rocky where he was running to the capital and people running behind him it's actually the other way around in the world when you are running they're running away when you run into darkness they're running away and I want to tell you today that there is a plot twist on how God sees failure versus how the world sees failure. You know, when you're born, you get a backpack. Not a literal backpack. Well, maybe you do because if you go through birth these days, they give you a backpack with nappies and stuff. But okay, that's not the point. I hope this will hold now. You get this backpack and you walk through life not thinking of failure. And what would happen is, one day you will reach failure and you're like, the devil tells you, you're a bad husband and you own it. You're like, I'm a bad husband. Okay, I'm going to solve it myself. I'll figure it out. I'll be better. I won't drink again. I won't break a promise. And then the world comes, you get to the second obstacle and it says, you know what? You're a bad father. Now it's a little bit heavier, but you're like, okay, I'll be better. I'll do it. And you fail in business and you pack it up.
And then as you walk along, you, you feel already depressed and anxious. And then the devil comes because we don't deal with it. And he says, you know what? You're a bad Christian. You're not supposed to be a Christian. Give up. Do what makes you happy. Did God really? And what happens is now we walk with this backpack the whole time. And the world says that is okay to be like that. You need to be the victim. Now, I'm going to take this backpack off. Even though I crossfit, this is still heavy. But this is the analogy. You see, what happens is we take ownership of that failure as a husband, as a pastor. I felt like a failure as a pastor, as a friend, as a husband, as a dad. And we think God treats us the same way the world does. So when you fail, you're alone. But God says, no, 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 it's a little bit different. And I want to share two stories from the Old Testament with you. The first one is we have a, a minor prophet called Ezra that has felt the same. Ezra 9, verse 6 to 7. And some of you are like, Ezra, is that a book in the Bible? Yes, it is. It's in the Old Testament. All right. And now some of you are like, I need to get my phone out to find out where EZR is Ezra. Okay. And Ezra was feeling exactly the same. I could so relate to this man in the beginning um, of when I was preparing for the sermon. He says, my God, I am ashamed and embarrassed to lift my face towards you. My God, because our iniquities are higher than our heads and our guilt is as high as the heavens. Our guilt has been terrible from the days of our fathers until the present. Because of our iniquities, we have been handed over along with our kings and priests to the surrounding kings and to the sword, captivity, plundering, and the open shame as it is today. You see, the world wants you to feel ashamed. The world wants you to be embarrassed. The world wants you to give in to woke culture. Why? Because that's what the world does. And Ezra was thinking exactly the same. He was like, Lord, I cannot even look to you. I cannot even give you the glory because our guilt, our sin, our inadequacies, everything is so high. And in those times, in the context of this verse, what was happening is the priest and the Levites were intermarrying with each other and God forbid it. You see, what is happening in our life, we need to live a godly lifestyle. But we want to have happiness. Do what makes you happy. Can I tell you, happiness is a temporary feeling. And what has happened with Ezra is that he couldn't under, he was so scared what God was going to do. And then he had this prayer that he used. He said, this in Ezra 9 verse 14 to 15. Should we break your commands again and intermarry with the people who commit these detestable practices? Wouldn't you become so angry with us? that you would destroy us, leaving no survivors. Lord God of Israel, you are righteous, for we survive as a remnant today. Here we are before you with our guilt, though no one can stand in your presence because of this. Israel was ashamed of the failure. You are ashamed of your failure. You are holding on to your failure. You are sitting here today, maybe feeling like a failure. Guys, I sucked at this. This was my sin to God, not trusting God in my failure. I, and, and I was a bad husband. I was a bad colleague. 
I was a bad father. You can say, oh, Louis, no, man, you're the pastor. You're okay. It's not that bad. Guys, it was that bad that I would promise my child I will go cycling with him, but then I didn't because I was too tired. So I lied to my children. I was snappy at my wife at a stage where I was going and saying, I can't use words here in that sense, but PG rated, but I would get myself in a bunch and twat and plist and then tell my wife what I feel about it. I was a problem to every solution. And what I did is I did try to do everything my own way. I tried to fix it myself. Women, I think you need to understand us as men, we are fixers. We always want to fix things. We want to fix ourselves, do it ourselves, carry ourselves. So much so that I got depressed because of my actions that I did. You see, what has happened is I didn't obey God and trust Him. I used this backpack to try and solve it myself. I did Bible studies. I gave couples advice that I didn't even follow. I tried to be a better husband. I tried to do things better. But at the end of the day, I was doing everything on my own strength. I was telling people in counseling, trust God. But I didn't. Even though I was reading my Bible. Even though I was going on the Bible app and looking for devotionals. Better husband, better, almost a better wife. Better husband, better father, better pastor. Better, better, better. And then on the 27th of January, it ran about then, it knocked me out because you know what Jesus said? He said, you need to take this. And you have to understand that I've given you grace. I don't think we understand grace. You're all amening. Just let me finish first. Grace is a gift that you do not deserve. It was freely given by Jesus. You see, what we do tend to do in Christians is how can we fix ourselves? How can we get better ourselves? How can we do this ourselves? How can I be happy again by myself? And yet I was thinking, how do I fix myself? And I have learned one valuable lesson out of all of this. What I have seen in my life and what I've seen in this world is, is that the world wants you to descend into darkness but Jesus wants to ascend you into the light and what you need to understand about this is that happiness is temporary but the glory and the joy God can give you during these troubled times is eternal but we need to we need to understand that we cannot do anything to receive the grace you cannot deny millions of rands to the church. You cannot build homeless shelters. Please do those things. You cannot help the widows and the orphans to receive the grace. You cannot read the Bible and try to be better yourself to receive this grace. This has been given to you for free. If you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. My sin was not listening to God. And I failed. As a husband, as a friend, as a pastor. But when I understood grace, I've also understood mercy. Mercy is when you don't get the punishment you deserve, but somebody else has taken it. Mercy is a place where you can come and say, hey, I deserve this punishment, but at the end, God doesn't give it to you. You know, when I look at grace and mercy, when I look at grace, grace means that I can come 
and back out. You're a bad father. Even though I lied to my son, I give it to Jesus. You're a bad pastor. You know, when you, when you cut me off in traffic and I don't smile at you and I recognize you in my rear view mirror, I apologize for that. You know, when I don't greet people fast enough in the mall because I know who you are or I miss you, I apologize for that too. You don't lead people. This is what the devil says. You don't lead people to Jesus. Your ministries are not growing. You're a bad husband. You bring it to the cross. And lastly, you're a bad Christian. You see, you can put it all at the cross because grace gives you to do that. We also receive mercy. And there's another story in the Bible. You need to understand this. For you to pack out all of this at the cross, you need to understand God's love completely. And I want to share it with you as best as I can. Not the way your husband loves you or your wife loves you or your friend loves you. That is conditional. But it's a story in the Old Testament in the book of Hosea. And now you're like, oh no, Louis, where is this in the Bible? That's also in the Old Testament, H-O-S. And we see a story, and I'm going to interpret the story because he was a minor prophet at the time. Hosea said, when the Lord began to speak, to speak to Hosea, the Lord said to him, go marry a promiscuous, some versions says prostitute woman, and have children for her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of the unfaithfulness to the Lord. You see, he told Hosea to go and marry her, to tell her, hey, you've been unfaithful to me. The Israelites have been unfaithful to God. We are actually unfaithful to God in, in certain shapes, ways, and form. We are not 100% faithful. Can I be honest with that? If you are saying, Louis, I haven't failed in my life. I'm 100% faithful. I'm doing it well. I want to tell you today that your pride is where you're going to fall. Your pride is your failure. Because here Jesus, uh, God was saying to them, even though you are not loving me 100%, I am loving you you i want you i want to spend time with you i love you and hosea goes and marries this woman and not even a few chapters later this happens in hosea 3 verse 1 the lord said to me this is hosea speaking go show your love to your wife again again though she loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the lord loves the israelites though they turn to the other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes it means that god still loves you even though you are against him even though you sin again even though you cheating on your faith again I was adulterous in my relationship with God because I didn't trust him. I didn't listen to him. I didn't walk with him. And what happens is over and over we sin. And then the devil comes and says, you know what? You're a bad Christian. But God says through Isaiah, I don't care. I love you. Even though you worship money, even though you worship women or pornography or drugs at the moment, go and get her again and bring her back. It ends off with this in Isaiah 2, 3, verse 2 to 3. He went again. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer of lethlik of barley. Strange names in the Bible. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same way towards you. 
Yeah, Hosea redeeming of God was buying it back to the redemptive work that was about to come. For me, the first step to get out of this victimhood of depression and anxiety is to understand we have grace that Jesus has freely given. We have mercy that we were supposed to receive a punishment, but we didn't. And as foretold by Hosea, this is what I love about this story, where mercy and grace comes together is when Jesus died on the cross for our inequities. And then when I look at the cross now, when I look at these, these now, the devil has no say over my life. But you need to accept the grace of Jesus Christ. You need to accept the mercy of Jesus Christ. And when they come together, when he was brought back his wife, Gomer, Hosea, that is the father telling you that I will send my son to die for all your sins and all your inadequacies at the cross. So when you bring your burdens, you will be forgiven. But it means one thing today. You cannot just sit still and do nothing. I want to say this with love. You cannot play the victim all the time. You cannot be this caterpillar on the ground groveling and chewing at grass the whole time. It means that you need to also step out in faith. I needed to step out in faith. It was not nice hearing Ryan and my wife holding me accountable for my actions when I felt like a victim. And actually, I wasn't a victim. I wanted the attention. The world is so attention-seeking that if you don't do a TikTok in 15 seconds, the attention is gone. And what we do as victims, and I'm saying this in love, and I'm very bold in this because I went through this, is we like to play the victim. We like to stay down. We like to be the caterpillar because it's easier. But you see, we want to happiness. But we have grace and mercy and a cross and our hope and our joy comes from that. Romans 12 verse 1 said, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Remember Ryan on this briar thing? I was so worried he would fall off every time. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by renewing your mind so that you may discern what's the good and pleasing will of God. I had to do a few things in my life and I want to share four of them today. One, do not conform to the world. You know how the world shows success? Money, power, material stuff, cars, holidays in France. I'm just, just putting it there. If you want to invite me over my passport, it's ready. But the world tells you that you have to buy a certain type of car to have status in your community. I've seen it so many times. I don't get it. They don't own a house or they don't even rent a house, but they have this car because the outside world for two hours makes a difference in the rest of the week. You know, we live in a world where, where cell phones are now, the, it's a status symbol to our children. It has to be an iPhone. And, and what I've noticed is with the, with the older iPhones, they only have two little camera lenses. And that's an old iPhone. But the new ones have three. And now everybody has to have the three iPhone cameras. And we fall for that. And you're laughing because you know it's true. I was like, what's the difference? We live in a world where we buy a house we cannot afford. We live in a world where we buy stuff we do not need. We live in a world where ladies... 
Your closet is so full of clothes, some of it has still the tags on it. Because one day, I'm going to fit in it. Am I right? All those who are laughing now, Tammy will be joyous to hear you will be donating some clothes to the... We, we, that's how success looks. For me, success as a pastor looks like marriages being saved, people being healed, people showing wisdom. But where I feel I failed as a pastor was my biggest kryptonite because people still got divorced. People still passed away. People still make bad decisions. As a father, I feel I failed because I lied to my son and my daughters. I was snippy with my wife. Yeah, that's the best word you're going to get today. Snippy with my wife. I wasn't a good colleague. But I was conforming to the world, not to the scriptures. Romans 12, 1 says, God is different. He doesn't look at what you own. He doesn't care what you own. He cares about what you're doing for the kingdom. Do not conform to this world. Some of you were getting iPhones today. Not anymore, right? Secondly, it says, be transformed. Remember I said about the caterpillar? Men, you're going to love this analogy. When we look at nature, a caterpillar eats grass or leaves and whatever, and then it cocoons itself. And then out of that cocoon comes a beautiful butterfly. That's how transformation in Christ looks like. When I go in counseling or when I spend time with people, I want to see the growth also in them. They have to do the work. You are all caterpillars and you eat at the grass as you're eating at God's word. But you cannot only do it once every 30 minutes on a Sunday. It's a constant daily thing to transform. And then what's going to happen is the world is going to test you. It says in God's word, be, be happy, be joyous when you get into trials and tribulations. Who's happy about the trials and tribulations of stage six load shedding? Yeah, I'm on war groups with some of you people in this church. Who's happy with what's happening going on to the world? You see, the world will test you and you will have to cocoon and trust that God knows what he's doing. And then when you renew your mind, when you transform, you become a butterfly. Now here's the kicker of this. We don't want to be on the ground because the devil was on the ground. We want to fly like eagles, so we have to become like a butterfly. So we transform our mind. So men, especially men, because I struggled with this, you cannot go through life alone. You have to become a butterfly. Do you understand that? You have to become a butterfly and get out of that scenario. But it means that you're going to be trial and tested. And the first thing is renew your mind. It means to resist temptations, make godly choices, and live a life that pleases God, not men. You must stop caring what people think of you. You must put God first, husband, wife second, family, work, and so goes and so goes. You have to honor that first. I honored, and I'll say this with love and respect, I honored ministry above my wife. And that was my downfall. I've ministered, I have, I have put certain counseling and people above honoring my wife. And that was my downfall. What is yours? Because if God is first and your covenant with your wife is second, the enemy can try, but he cannot destroy you. But you need to constantly be remembered to renew your mind. So when a temptation comes, get scripture into your mind. Get worship songs into your mind. I am no longer a slave to fear. 
we sing this, but we do not believe this. Because when fear comes, we feel we're going to fail. And then when we're going to fail, the devil's going to keep us there. But we are no longer slaves to fear. You know, for me, anxiety, anxiety goes against all God's principles in the word. Because God says very clearly, do not be anxious about anything come to me with thanksgiving with your prayers and petitions and i i god will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding but now we would rather do it ourselves and sin and be anxious do not be anxious about anything instead come to me with thanksgiving and with prayers and petitions and i will give you the peace that surpasses all understanding that verse i'm living on you can do all the Bible study you want. You can sing all the worship songs in this church you want. You can go to all the men's gatherings. But if you don't change here to him and you're trying to fix yourself, it's not going to work. You need to accept grace and mercy and that Jesus died for you at the cross. I've seen so many men go to men's camps to fix their marriage and it didn't work. But I've seen men go to marriage camps and do the work and trust God and be healed. And lastly, I needed to put my will to align with God's will. Your will doesn't count. I've learned that the hard way. I was creating ministries, doing ministries, running ministries that was against God's plan and purpose for my life. And last week when I interviewed Ryan, I said, God willing. And that's the thing that just stuck with me today. God willing, I'll get this job. God willing, this will succeed. God willing, this marriage will be restored. God wants to restore marriages, don't get me wrong. God willing, it will be a good day today without challenges. But God's will must be above your will. You see, we shape God into our will. Lord, I'm about to do this, bless this. No, 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 Lord, if it's your will, I'm about to do this, bless this. We pray the wrong way around. And I had to learn, Louis is not Pastor Louis. Louis is a son of Jesus Christ, Louis. And I had to learn that to listen the hard way. And I had to say, okay, Lord, it's not me working. It's you working through me. When I'm strong, I, when I'm weak, I am strong. I want to end off with this. This is what I wrote on Facebook on the second part. So things changed as I opened up. You know, the biggest mistake I did in this church or in a sermon was in the beginning of this year where I went and I shared with you guys that I said to Ryan, if this year doesn't work out, I'm out. And I was looking, look at the pride in that because yet I was trying to say, if God doesn't come through for me in my will, I'm out. And I want to apologize for those people who heard that sermon and thought that was a good idea. I also did say Jesus was pregnant many years ago when I started here and I was, but I, was, I am Afrikaans. But I think this was the most difficult one and the biggest lie I've told from this stage. And I want to apologize for that. God says when you're done, not you. Things changed as I opened up. And with God, my wife and friends that know the whole story, you guys know it now, I started over. When I opened up, it released all the toxins in me. I had to do a few things for those strug uh, few things. And for those struggling, here is what I needed to do. First of all, it is not my life, calling or purpose or plan. This was in January 27th. It is all God's. Matthew 6 verse 34 reminds me that tomorrow will worry about itself. It is in God's hands and in his hands. I needed to be held accountable for my feelings, my actions that were in my control. 
We all need people to talk to and have empathy with. But who gives us godly advice also? Men, speak to your wives and wives do the same. It was not easy or it is not easy listening to Michelle and Ryan when they hold me accountable. But it helped a lot. I had to suck up my pride and be humble. Hmm. I am on medication. And it's okay to be on medication. God created doctors. And I'm not advocating using drugs all the time. But in this season, I need to do this. And God willing, I'll be off this year. Be in church more often. I was just a church congregation member the previous Sunday. And that changed quite a bit for me. You need to interact, praise, and worship. That's why I get so emotional or maybe even righteous angry when I stand here or sit here or stand here and worshiping God, knowing the power of the healing of that, and we don't worship God. We just sing the song. Men, you need to get over yourselves when you're not lifting your hands and you're not praising and worshiping God. God doesn't care about your masculinity. He cares about your eternity. I just wanted to share that with someone. You need to interact and praise and worship. Psalm 23, in my life, is what I'm living. It's okay to cry, but when you're done crying, stand up and walk in the power of God has given you. He's an ever-present help in the time of trouble. Rest. Google the story of Mary and Martha. We cannot run 24-7. It's even unbiblical. I needed to put the phone down and take everything away and just rest. Exercise. It helps me. Taking my mind off for an hour of work a day is good. God is good and I'm getting healing. And I want to say I'm feeling much lighter because I let go and allow God to shape me. 1 Peter 5 verse 10 says, Now the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little. Expect suffering. But know that God will restore you. You see, the devil wanted Louis to be quiet. The devil wanted Louis to be distracted. The devil wanted Louis to give up at the beginning of this year. But now, and I'm a big social media fan, I'm more on fire for him. I share more about him. I don't care who, what things, whatever about me. But I also know I can share this on things like Facebook that will help other people. I says, I'm clinging on to this verse. Today, I'm not healed completely, but even though I'm going through the valley, God is with me and I shall not want. The attacks are more from the devil in and around our family, but God is fighting for us and he's pushing back that darkness. I am still Louis. I will still be who God created me to be. I'm even now more on fire for him. Difference is not in my strength, but in his. I hope this helps someone today. Please feel free to share it. I don't want the darkness to win. Jesus wins always. Excuse the tenses. This is not a Louis story. This is a story of how God takes someone that is anxious and depressed to the cross and remind them the power of that cross. There's a book about in, uh, a book from Urban McManus. He wrote a book, The Barbarian Way, Unleash the Untamed Faith Within. And he has this quote, and this just made so much sense today. He says, when we live by faith, every battle is won and every enemy is conquered. When we live by faith, lions go hungry, executioners become unemployed, and the grim reapers prospects look grim. Lord, I thank you for each and every person here today. 
I thank you that my story is not a story of Louis, but a story of your redemption works in my life. Lord, I thank you now that I can see why I had to go through what I've gone through beginning of this year, Lord, because there's hope for other people here today. Lord, I thank you for grace. I thank you for mercy. I thank you that I can look at the cross in a whole different way today. And even though uh, I'm not perfect, I'm healing. And even though I'm not getting things always right, you are with me. And even though I'm failing in areas of my life, you still want me back. Lord, I pray today for each and every person that they will put on their helmet of salvation so that the fiery arrows of the enemy will not penetrate their mind and tell them lies like he told me. I pray for a generation to stand up and not become these caterpillars on the ground that will become butterflies that's transformed and renewed because of what you have done on the cross. Lord, I pray for every person that's anxious. I pray that verse over them again, Lord, that they will come with their thanksgiving and their prayers and their petitions and that you will give them that peace that surpasses all understanding. I pray against temporary happiness, but eternal joy today. I pray for whatever the world wants us to descend into the dark, Jesus, that you will come and you will ascend us into the light. I thank you for your perfect love for us. I thank you that we can look in the Old Testament and show just how you love the Israelites. And you are still the God that the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So you love us the same today. Lord, even though the world is against us, you are for us. But I pray that we will have the guts to stand up, that we will take the first step of faith, that we will proclaim that faith is the evidence of things not yet seen, but believed and hoped for. And my hope is that people will get healed in Jesus' name. I pray that people will understand who the Holy Spirit is today because Holy Spirit, if you weren't there while I was broken, I don't know who I would be today. So Lord, I pray for every person. May my testimony become their testimony. May your healing become their healing. And I pray that we will be break this generation of the depression and anxious and anxiety because Lord, that is not from you. That is us allowing the devil to put us in a dark place. I pray that we will stand up in victors in Christ because of the cross. I thank you that like Nicole said, we don't always understand why the blood over the post, but I know today for me, the blood of Jesus covers every sin, every inadequacy, every lie, and that I can walk in today, bolt into your throne room. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.